everyone and welcome to part two of episode number 25 of the Sweet Spot on a Farm podcast. In case this is your first episode and you're not sure what to expect, um, this is a podcast about natural health and my guests and I talk about healthy eating, nutrition, fitness and well-being in general. My guests share mostly plant-based recipes and we offer eating and cooking tips. I interview professionals from around Northern Ireland and beyond and every fortnight we bring you a new episode. Now this is our second part of my interview with the Belfast-based Canadian-born chiropractor Nick Mancuso and if you haven't listened to part one I highly recommend you do. In the previous episode we talked about epigenetics and nutrigenomics which are incredibly interesting disciplines and this time Nick will talk about the benefits of sauna and chocolate, about mitochondria and about mushrooms. Enjoy! What blows me away about keto as well is that ketones themselves act as HDAC inhibitors. Now, I want to explain what HDAC inhibitors are because you're probably like, what the heck are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, I'm just like, mm, sounds kind of like something that I can maybe figure out, but maybe you should just explain yeah. that. <laughs> so I mentioned about the histones, which tightly wind in our DNA yeah. sequences. What HDAC inhibitors are, HDAC stands for histone deacetylase. And so it inhibits the histones winding in our DNA so that the expression of good genes can be read. And so ketone bodies have a role in unwinding the good expression of our DNA sequences and keeping us living longer uh, and healthier. So that partly wanted me to learn more about all this since I I wanted to see all the benefits of ketones and um, that is one thing. So that's why I so still love my exogenous ketone drink. It's a it's a cheap way to avoid having to do the diet. Addicted to ketones. Yeah. Um, but one thing that I absolutely find fascinating as well, and this acts on epigenetic level and also uh, affecting really good genes in our body, is sauna use. So if you... Yeah, it might sound strange, but... Um, yeah, so if you think about... Um, exercise, when you're exercising, you're heating up the body usually, right? The body increases in temperature. And you can do that with the sauna. And you can turn on a lot of good pathways that exercise turns on through activating what's called heat shock proteins. And one of the main genes that gets turned on is a gene called the FOXO3 gene. This gene is coded for longevity. And what it does is a housekeeper gene. So it looks through all of your DNA and it looks for damages in the DNA and it helps protect the the damages. So you really want to turn on your FOXO3 gene and exercise does it. And exercise mimetics, which mimics exercise by heating up your core body temperature through using the sauna, is a fantastic biohacking sort of way to improve your longevity and your health. They actually found uh, a study done in Finland had found that particularly they found men um, who use the sauna in Finland, like I think almost half the population has a sauna in their house. Oh, all the Nordic countries, they are mad into their saunas. Yeah, so, so I think they found that a man who uses a sauna two to two to three times a week will have, I think it's a 24% 
decrease in what's called all-cause mortality, which means that less risk of cardiovascular disease, less risk of cancer, less risk of everything that essentially kills you. And so just by using the sauna a few times a week, decreased it by almost a quarter, um, which is also, we've been using this word a lot, but insane. Wow. Okay. Hmm. I have to reevaluate my quitting um, sauna visit. There you go. Yeah. So anything that activates a slight stress response um, is going to be usually very beneficial for the body. So exercise in a, is a slight stressor. And that builds up our tolerance to these things. And that's pretty much how a lot of this process works. That we really want to build up tolerance to things that are a slight stress. So believe it or not, actually certain plants are slightly toxic that build up our stress response and have a good epigenetic health beneficial way of uh, keeping these cells activated or keeping these pathways activated that help protect us. So... We mentioned I mentioned a little bit last time on the on the podcast about resveratrol. If you remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. that is found in the skin of grapes. So these are called. Uh, there's a family of compounds called sirtuins, and they also act on the epigenome by turning on these good expressions, opening up those that DNA sequence. And they're found in a lot of especially baby plants. So just sprouting because these baby plants they have these compounds that are insect antifeedants so they prevent insects from eating them and these are slightly toxic that that's how they prevent insects but they're slightly toxic to us in a good way so these plants that contain a lot of these uh, will be really beneficial so if we look at um, catnins which are, are found in dark chocolate and the cacao they are fantastic at that green tea blueberries um, as I mentioned, um, you know, even uh, grapes and, and this resveratrol, they are also all very anti-aging um, and uh, full of antioxidants, so, so really good that way. I eat a lot of cacao. I'll tell you something really fascinating about cacao uh, and dark chocolate and this epicatenin that's found in it uh-huh. is that um, it helps stimulate something called dystrophin. Now, most people know about muscular dystrophy, right? That's a condition where we're born, or people are born with weak muscles, oh, yeah, and they yeah. tear, and they rip, and they, and they do uh, bad things. Now, what happens is in our, all our muscles, we have this dystrophin, and what the role of dystrophin is to distribute force across the muscle. And without that, that's likely to rip and, and have all these problems. But what epicatenin found in dark chocolate or cacao does is it stimulates um, dystrophin growth. So you have better force production. So somebody with a heart condition, weak heart muscles, if you had a square of dark chocolate every day, that would do wonders for the strength of the heart and those types of conditions. This is really mind-blowing. I don't know what to say. This is awesome. Yeah. But... There's one thing that you said about um, shock response when it comes to exercise and you know yes. extreme heat and things like that. I wonder whether that's part of the reason why cold immersion therapy is working as well. I mean, there's been other studies why it works. You know, good for your immune system and fight and flight, 
right response and all this stuff. But that's kind of probably part of the reason it works as well because it's massive shock in, in your body, you know, when you immerse in, in, in a really cold temperature. Completely. Well, the thing what happens is when you immerse in the cold temperature, it's actually really good for, for weight loss or fat loss because your body needs to heat things up and it needs to burn. Now, the sources that create energy, that create heat are in every cell. And I, I can't remember exactly how many there are. I think there's like, there's uh, 500 trillion of these, these um, microorganisms. And I want to talk about this with you there anyways. They're called mitochondria. Now, we might yeah. remember <laughs> mitochondria from uh, high school or, or even university for some, where these are known as the energy production centers. So cold immersion, immersion will cause uh, mitochondrial biogenesis to create more of these to heat things up, and it creates more brown adipose tissue, which is good fat. And this is brown because they're so rich in mitochondria. So what these mitochondria are, and this absolutely blows me away, is that it is uh, speculated that life exists based on trillions and trillions of years ago where two bacteria cells are, are sort of essentially our human cells merged with another bacteria to become symbiotic in one, they work together. Now, the mitochondria look exactly like bacteria. They even have their own DNA sequence. Now, it's a lot less than our own in our own cells, but they've merged together, and the role of the mitochondria has become to create energy. And, and so that's simply their, their major role. Um, and the more of these, the, the better energy and the better working of our body. What is interesting is that these mitochondria only get passed down from our mothers. We, the mitochondrial DNA only gets passed down from the mothers. And because of that finding itself, they've been able to trace these mitochondria back to where they first came from. And they're able to track that to Africa. So through that, we can know how, as a species, as, our, as we have evolved, where we traveled to, how we traveled through Europe, and how we come to different areas, uh, through the mitochondria itself. Um, what's, uh, what's fascinating with these, these mitochondria is um, that, of course, the more of them we have, the healthier we tend to be. There's a great book that I read that was called Mitochondria and the Future of Medicine. And what this was talking about was about how treating the overall organelles in our cells as opposed to systems. Right now we look at the medical system and it's cardiovascular, endocrine, neurology, you know, uh, respiratory, all of these systems. But in every single cell, the common theme is they all have the same makeup and they just get diversified uh, as, as they divide, um, that they all have these energy centers. If you kind of think of when the power goes out in a city or in a, in a place, you can think of the things that require the most amount of power going out first, the things that are heavily sucking that power. So maybe computers or televisions or lights and the things that require the least amount, maybe like um, a toaster or coffee maker or something still powering out less. This is what happens in our bodies 
as we lose the ability to create energy in there. The organs that require the most amount of energy, our brains and our heart, are the things that seem to fail first. So looking at disease as a, a mitochondrial function and how to improve the function of the, the cells that create energy in our body or the organelles that create energy, it seems to be vital to overall health and, and longevity to, uh, to the body itself. So I find that's, that's absolutely fascinating of how these, how we've come to be, and it makes sense to even why we need two sexes as well to reproduce is because without um, the, the mother being able to pass its mitochondria, then you can't have um, a cell that will create, be able to create energy. I'm gonna go home with a head blown, blown. Three, yeah. three times its size. This is incredible. How the hell did you get it all into all this? I'm, I'm fascinated by this and I think that anything I can learn to, you know, I like to know all the processes and I kind of get a little bit deeper into the nitty gritty and the different funky terms. You're such a nerd. I'm a complete <laughs> nerd. I'm a complete nerd. You um, should have, you should have been a chiropractor. You should have been a researcher. <laughs> yeah. Scientist. You know, there is a part of me that still does want to maybe do some of that. Um, I, I've actually got in touch with a, a different scientist or researcher down at University College Dublin um, who does a lot of research on ketone esters and human performance. He was uh, featured in one of my favorite podcasts as well. It's called STEM Talk. Mm -hmm. And um, and he his name's Dr. Brendan Egan. And um, I'm going to go down and check out his lab at some stage there. Maybe get involved in doing some research uh, with... with uh, exogenous ketones there. Wow, this has been fascinating. Um, but tell me, because you're so interested in all this, as a chiropractor, um, your profession, you know, can you actually utilize some of this into your profession to for your patients to benefit from it? I mean, is it something that you can actually ever use in your day-to-day -day practice? I do talk about various different things, but I, I base it on the person. You know, I think what's most important for me as a chiropractor is listen to the person's needs and find out what's going on with them. You know, it, there's so many factors to what can cause pain and problem. And I like to take a multifaceted approach to give them the best help. And, you know, sometimes people come in and they have chronic pain, say knee pain, for example, but they're consuming 10 cans of Coca-Cola per day and there's yeah. the inflammation that's going on inside their body is just insane. So I could do a ton of different mobilizations. I can maybe strap up their knees with kinesio tape, mobilizations, get their back moving, get their joints moving well, but they're still gonna have this problem. So I like to educate. Now I won't get deep into all this type of stuff. I just do that out of interest. I get in, into all that. But if I could give them advice and help, then I, I think that's really, really key. Um, I, I think there's we're we're riddled with so much different types of mental illnesses out there, and that's a bit of a passion to find out. You know what we can do to feel better. That we can affect our brains and, and our and our bodies and how we think. And, um, you know, I'm completely caught up in, in the science on that. And there is remarkable findings that are going on uh, at Johns Hopkins Hospital right now on, on that. And so, um, you know, I like I could give as best advice and help. I, I do incorporate it in the practice as much as I can, but without trying to overwhelm people. Because I, I can tell you're a little bit overwhelmed with some of this stuff already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My brain's going, I'm not going to sleep here. I'm just going to 
think about mitochondria and <laughs> epigenetics. Yeah. Bloody hell. But um so tell me well you're one hell of a chiropractor, let me tell you. Talking of which, how can people get in touch with you if if they need your help, if if they need your insight, uh, not necessarily maybe on epigenetics, <laughs> but um um, how they can get in touch and book an appointment? Probably the best way to get in touch is uh, either sending me a message uh, through Facebook, um, through the clinic website or the clinic Facebook page, Rosetta Chiropractic. Um, uh, there you can you can call me on, on the phone. Usually I can't always get to the phone, but leaving a message and, and I'll usually get back to people who leave a message. Um, or you can find me on Instagram. I have my Instagram. It's called the, the Keto Cairo. The uh, the all one word um, keto Cairo and uh, Cairo spelled C H I R O um, and those are probably the best ways I think uh, oftentimes uh, I I set up online bookings for new patients and existing patients as well through through the website which is RosettaChiropractic.co.uk I do have an email but I'll admit I'm not the greatest at checking my emails it is uh, RosettaChiropractic@gmail.com and so those are a few of the best ways to, to get in touch with myself. What can they expect when they come in for their first appointment? Yeah, so people can expect to, well, see that I run the clinic on my own first off. So I do run the reception and run the chiropractic. So that's why it's sometimes hard to get to the phone because I'm, I'm usually, I prioritize the treatments versus running back and forth and answering the phone. So I let the phone go to answer phone. So when they come in, they can expect me to be fully listening to what's going on with, with them, to uh, really, I think, listen first to what they have to say and then be able to add tips and advice. And kind of, I, I find that uh, to give my, my honest opinion to each person and let them decide what, what they want to do. Um, I, I think that's one thing that they can expect with uh, the, the consultation uh, is to go through a full uh, assessment, check out the range of motion, check out orthopedic type tests that I see fit. And then I like to really explain the chiropractic process to each person so they can be at ease. I find that a lot of people that come into the chiropractor the first time, especially if they've never been or don't know much about it, they're nervous. They're nervous that it's gonna hurt, they're nervous that I can't help them. They're nervous that um, it's going to be really costly down the line. The, so I like to try to ease people, make them feel as comfortable as possible. And then when I explain what I'm doing chiropractically uh, on that first visit, they then know what to expect. And um, that way that any future visits, they can just relax and just be themselves, feel comfortable to share anything that they want to share um, and know that I'm, I'm going to listen to what's going to help them best. I, actually, one thing that I, I usually let people know is that whatever techniques that I do that seem to help, great, let me know, will help. If their things aren't changing, then that's also important to let me know because then I can try different things. So I'm not a chiropractor that will just have one way of doing things and not listen to the patients. I find that their feedback is probably one of the most important things at helping get them to where they want to go. So that, that's what they should expect when they come in. Great. So um, one last thing before, we, before I let you go. Last time I asked you one of my favorite questions. What yes. was your favorite food? Now, the last time we spoke, your favorite vegetable was not really vegetable. It was an avocado. Has that changed at all? I've thought about this a little bit, and I still, I still do like avocado, but I want to give you something different there today. And in the same sort of 
theme as last time. It really it's wasn't a vegetable. Tomato, isn't it? No, no. <laughs> but you know what's really cool is that um, I don't know if I mentioned this last time or not. When you think about and this is just be another nerdy thing to for yourself and your listeners, <laughs> is that there's so many vegetables and fruits and things out there that actually there's clues to what they do to help the body initially. So if you think of tomatoes, right? Um, if you cut a tomato in half, it kind of looks like the chambers of a heart. The leucipine in, uh, in tomatoes is really good for the heart. Um, if you cut a carrot in half, or, or like, um, you know, at least width-wise, you'll see that it looks kind of like an eye. And of course, carrots are good for the eyes. Um, walnuts look kind of like a brain. They're good for the brain. Um, celery, believe it or not, is really good. It looks kind of like a bone, like a, like a femur bone in the leg. It's really good for bones. Um, <laughs> there's so many. Red wine is good for your blood. There's so many of these things that are incredible. Grapefruit is really good for um, female uh, reproductive health in, in terms of like breasts. And um, there, there's, there's so many. Avocado is actually good for the womb. So believe it or not. Yeah, it's, it's insane. They kind of look like the things that they're good for. If you think we cut an avocado in half, <laughs> the big seed is kind of like a womb in the middle oh of the Oh my avocado. God, I can never look at avocado the same way again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the one I wanted to say today, and kind of in relation to so much that I've talked about already, is mushrooms. Now, they're not a vegetable. They're a fungus. Yeah. Um, but mushrooms are good for vitamin D. Mushrooms themselves are actually good for uh, also B vitamins. Vitamin they improve K. your vitamin K. They improve your immune system. Um, they are fantastic at a lot of different things. Um, they also are good for your ears. If you cut a mushroom in half, they already kind of look like an ear a little bit. So, <laughs> Stop um, it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, I, I want to go with mushrooms. And uh, based on a little bit what I've talked about as well in terms of mental health, I'll touch upon, I won't get into, uh, into too much detail, but uh, mushrooms have healing properties for, uh, for people helping with people with depression and anxiety. And this is what they're doing at Johns Hopkins, is they're actually using a special type of mushroom, a mushroom that you would think wouldn't be very good. Um, and I wouldn't recommend anybody to are they just saying magic mushrooms? Yes. So, Seriously? So, oh God, I thought I was being funny. <laughs> no, it's, it's the psilocybin, which is the psychoactive compound in magic mushrooms, is being used at Johns Hopkins Hospital to help people with addiction problems. It helps people stop smoking. It helps people to, as well, what they've been using it for is for people who've been diagnosed with terminal cancer, um, to help put them at ease. What this does under controlled environments, right, in the, the hospital, is that it gives them, it, psilocybin will shut down the ego slightly so you don't have to be, you know, you won't be af afraid. And it lets you kind of look at yourself from an outside perspective. So there were some examples where um, somebody, for example, is a smoker and um, they've gone through this treatment at, at Johns Hopkins and They've come out of that treatment where they say something that seems so obvious, like a like a duh type moment, where they came out and they you know they would maybe smoke like say twenty cigarettes a day, and they go, I don't want to smoke anymore, and they'd be like, why? What you know what was it? And they said, well, I gotta see that breathing is vital to life, 
And why would I want to damage my breath by putting this toxin in? And that's essentially affecting my breath. Now, that never occurred to that same person before they actually went, underwent this treatment. So um, it's having profound effects on uh, mental health and illness, uh, as well as reducing the amount of addiction problems going on in the US. I need to get some magic mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> Claim it's for medicinal purposes. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, exactly. That's, the, that's like the new THC. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or CBD, I should say, no? CBD, THC. yeah, yeah. Medical Mariana, you've been replaced. Old news, old news, it's magic mushrooms now. <laughs> magic mushrooms, uh, yeah, and um, and a thing called DMT, but we won't get into too much DMT. Type oh, stuff. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's in ayahuasca. Nuts. Yeah. So what kind of recipe with magic, magic mushrooms? <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't cook. Uh, yeah, or, I, I'm, I'm, I, as a disclaimer, I've never tried those and I don't recommend people to try them without proper medical supervision. <laughs> Um, uh, it's just that's what the research is using at, at the hospital at the moment. My uh, recipe that I would like to go for, let's see, um, there's, there's a few different recipes. Now, do you want to give you sort of like, uh, one of my favorite ones is like, it has chorizo and chicken. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I suppose. I mean, I'm not. I'm not not alone. If it's one of your favorite recipes, sure you can share it. I'm sure. I'm sure vegans are very resourceful, or anybody who's yeah. a plant-based diet, you can just keep leave the treats out. Yeah, like, that's what I would do anyway. It's easy yeah. enough. There's a, a cheesy spinach and chorizo uh, chicken type dish that I'd seen in um, the Lean and 15 um, guide with, you know, Joe Wicks? Joe Wicks, yeah. Yeah, so uh, it's one of my favorite recipes. It is pretty keto friendly, um, you know, with the, 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 the high protein and the plant base. So a lot of spinach, um, you can use cheese, you can use pine nuts. And uh, I don't know the exact measurements, but I could I could give that to you, and you can maybe put that up. Yeah, on, yeah, on, absolutely, uh, we'll your, do your website. So, is it like a stew type of dish, or is it stir fry? It's like a stir fry. Okay. Yeah, it's like a stir fry dish. So. Well, that sounds good. Well, I, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, um, there's so many uh, substitutes that anybody who's vegan or on plant based diet, you guys have. Um, there's cashew cheeses and all yeah. sorts of that you don't need to necessarily um, use uh, uh, dairy cheese and uh, there's loads of chorizo supplements as well where you can just leave it out and as for chicken you guys have tofu and stuff I mean there's yeah. um, there's other things that you can I actually personally what I found over the years um, if I really liked a chicken dish uh, mainly chicken curries mm -hmm. and I don't eat chicken um, I would use aubergine Oh yeah? That is such a fantastic substitute. It has a really, really good texture and it's really, e I find it really easy to cook with and it's bloody delicious. Actually, funny enough, in, in the last podcast we were talking about aubergines. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So guys, you can, uh, you can we'll, we'll put the recipe up and uh, you can, if you're on a plant-based diet, you can just use an aubergine. There you go. Easy enough. Perfect. Well, thanks very much. Like, this has been an incredibly interesting podcast again. And um, I have to say it again, you are such a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I know. But thank God for that, nerds like you. Um, well, thank you very much and um, have a good evening. And I can't wait what you're going to come up next year. Well, I look forward to doing another one with you then again. With a bunch of different other mind-blowing type uh, 
advancements on nutrition and health and well-being. Can't wait. Thank you very much. No problem. I really hope you enjoyed this, guys. Um, some really interesting information there. I really need to get myself back to sauna. And actually, I wonder how my body would react to it now that I'm so used to cold water. And, you know, running into the Irish Sea at all sorts of temperatures. I'm not sure if I could stick the heat anymore. But um, I guess there's only one way to find out. So um, if I do get around to some sauna sessions, I will let you know how I get on. Now, Nick shared a non-vegan recipe this time round, and I hope my vegan and vegetarian listeners will not judge him for it. You can find the link to the original Lean In 15 recipe on our social media. The recipe is cheesy chorizo chicken and spinach, and you can find it on www.thebodycoach.com. What you need for it is half a tablespoon of coconut oil, 75 grams of chorizo, finely diced, half a red onion, diced, 240 grams skinless chicken breast fillet, cut into one centimeter slices, salt and pepper, four cherry tomatoes, sliced in half, three big fistfuls of baby spinach leaves, one ball of mozzarella torn into chunks, and 20 grams of pine nuts. Now, if you are making this completely plant-based, you can get a variety of nut cheese substitutes. I do highly recommend using aubergine in place of chicken. It will go exceptionally well with the tomatoes and pine nuts, I promise. As for chorizo, you know, you can completely leave it out, actually. Um, or you can use finely diced courgette coated in some olive oil or coconut oil and paprika and chili powder mix. Or if you really want it in, you can see if your local shop has a vegan chorizo substitute. I'm sure some companies make those. Although I do have to tell you guys, I am in major opposition to most processed vegan meat and cheese alternatives. Honestly, read the ingredients labels before you buy anything like that and try not to eat it too often because the stuff they sometimes put in these things just well let's just say that it really amazes me that some of this food is actually legal to sell for human consumption but you know don't mind me I'm just expressing my own personal opinion and no I do not buy these things myself and um, saying that I recently discovered in my local supermarket a vegan spreadable butter alternative which actually looks fantastic as far as the ingredients go and we bought it for home, we tried it, and both myself and my meat-eating partner really, really like it. It's not something I'd buy at every shopping trip, but it's worth trying it once in a while. And the product is called Organic Vegan Spreadable, and the brand is Naturally. Naturally? Naturally? I'm not sure how you pronounce it. It's spelled N-A-T-U-R-L-I. And I do promise you that the brand has not paid me to promote their product. It's just a recent discovery and I felt compelled to tell you about it. Um, we use it just raw, spreading on um, crackers. And uh, I think my partner spread it on savory pancakes um, and uh, mixed it into his pasta. Yeah, it is really nice, I have to say. And it really does taste like butter. But anyway, um, I think this is it for this week. Um, remember, you can download 
all our shared recipes from our Facebook group page or our Instagram. Any links and references to third-party recipes can be also found on our social media. And tune in for a new episode every fortnight on SoundCloud or iTunes. And if you want to catch the Sweet Spot Cookbook, you can grab it on Amazon.co.uk or PM me for a personal order or find a digital copy on iBooks Worldwide. Also, remember, if you do enjoy any of our episodes... I would really appreciate it if you could spend just a couple of minutes and leave us a review on iTunes. It really is important for us content makers to get a review. So I'm begging you, it's just two minutes of your life. You could be doing a lot worse things with your two minutes of your life. So why not do something good for somebody else? Um, it's not, I promise you, it's you won't be doing it just to boost my own ego. You will be doing it to help others find a good quality content and you never know you know the information that we provide in these podcasts may actually inspire someone we may inspire people to eat more vegetables or we might be providing some information that might really help someone in search for healthier ways so honestly guys it would be major help thank you very much and have a lovely couple of weeks Go get some mushrooms or chocolate or both. Actually, do you know that might be a really interesting combination? Has anyone ever tried making mushroom chocolate? It sounds kind of weird, but I might actually experiment this week. Anyway, and more importantly, stay healthy. Until next time, bye. As every week, your host is myself, Susanna from The Sweet Spot. Music by Mark J. Adair and artwork by Gemma O'Hagan. Thank you for listening.